The Bible refers to fear and trembling. It's not referring to a dread fear, but a reverential fear that we have in God. But by combining this word with trembling, Paul reminds us that our reverential fear should not be taken lightly, that we should do all that's within our power to work out or live out our salvation before others, knowing that we will be held accountable before God. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Well, we're back in the book of Philippians chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 12 through 30 today. And, and we're really going to learn about uh, two individuals that Paul highly favored as far as ministers in Christ, and he'll speak about them. But the initial first few verses from verses 12 through 18, we get back to Paul's initial desire, his desire of unity through humility that he began to speak about in verses 1 through 4. And then he went on to give an example of through verses 5 through 11 as that supreme example of Jesus Christ, that God has called us to this place of humility in serving others, to esteem others, as it says here in chapter 2, to esteem others higher than ourselves. Now, that is a a hard thing to do in the world that we live in, because the world that we live in talks about having self-esteem, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. The problem is, is when we esteem ourselves better than all others and, and that we hold ourselves in a higher view than others around us, then we are living self-centered lives instead of lives that are serving others. And it's the desire of Paul that we would learn to be servants of all in this text today. It begins in verse 12, and I'm going to read 12 through 17 just to kind of pick up some of the context here saying, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, 
I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. This pouring out is a drink offering. It reminds us that Paul is in prison at this time when he's writing this epistle. And it, he had been in prison for at least four years. We know from the book of Acts as it closes with Paul getting to Rome and he had requested to stand before Caesar and he's awaiting that trial. And, and we see a bit of that in this text today because he talks about waiting the outcome whether he has already stood before Caesar or is just waiting to stand before Caesar to know the outcome of his condition, he realized that this could lead to his death. But even in realizing that, he said, I am glad and rejoice if it's that of being poured out as a drink offering for the sacrifice and service of your faith. Paul said, it's worth it all if I know that you guys are still standing with the Lord. And he refers to on the day of Christ. So he's talking about that day that he stands before the Lord. And there is the church of Philippi that he had helped establish with Silas and Timothy and Luke who were with him. That this church that has been established, that they continue to stand faithful with Christ. He said, I am glad and I rejoice. I often wonder how we would be if we had been in prison for four years and we were writing a letter back to our home church, let's say Calvary Chapel Lake Villa, and we are in prison. It's for the work of ministry and maybe uh, nothing that happened while we were ministering here at Calvary Lake Villa, but we were out and continued in our ministry and, and as missionaries, we could say, and and eventually we get arrested and we get in prison. How would our letter sound as we were writing back? I, I do fear that many of us would be writing a, a woe is me type letter to the body of Christ. And a few weeks ago, I referred to the uh, 27, I think there were 27 men who were captured a few years ago and held in prison in Iran and how they after they were released, and three of them dying, but after their release, the remainder, a few years later, were talking about how precious that time was while they were in prison, how near the Lord was to them while they were in prison, that they were actually saying, I wish we were back there again. That is unreal to imagine, but the presence of God in distressing situations can be ours. And here is what Paul is, I believe, trying to teach the church of Philippi and also us as we look at this passage today, that first of all, we are to work. We're to work in obedience, and we're also to learn to work out um, for God's good pleasure. We're also to shine. We're to shine, we're to hold fast, and we're to pour out. And, and that's the things that I saw standing out in this portion of Scripture as I looked at it this week for our fellowship. I began with this working out. It's found in verses 12 and 13 where he says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. He begins with this theme of obedience as we are Desiring to work out our own salvation, there is this 
thought of obedience that is part of that process. Now, he said in the obedience here, he said, as you have always obeyed in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Isn't that always easier to obey when the authority that we want to please is with us? I think of parents and children so often when I think about obedience in the sight of their parents. It's not always. And, and we know that. We know that um, moms and dads are often embarrassed by some of the things their children may do or say in their presence. But usually a child is in better behavior when mom and dad are near and watching and they know that they're going to be held accountable for their actions. But it's when they're by themselves or when they're with their friends or when they're away from mom and dad that the true test of obedience comes, of how will they respond, how will they react. Talking with the teachers this morning, I, I just recalled that this this morning, but John and Melissa, my son and daughter, were at my in-laws, but their cousins at a birthday party, and and they stopped a movie that was about to be played, which was an R-rated movie, and, and they stopped it saying that we're not allowed to watch those kinds of movies. You know, they were probably not old enough as they should be to watch an R-rated movie. And the thing is, is when our children were five and seven years old, Lily and I made that decision that we weren't going to allow it in our home. We had up to that time had certain movies, and we got very strict in our own lives. It wasn't that there were mom and dad movies and children's movies. We decided that the shows that our children were allowed to watch, any shows that we would watch, they would be allowed to watch. And we know that the content sometimes, and, and I have to tell you the truth, after a while of watching years of children's movies, they weren't doing much for me any longer, and they still don't. But we took a stance that was healthy for our family. But I was so proud to hear that not only did we take that stance within our family, but then our children learned also to take that stance when they weren't in our presence. They were obeying on this one rule that we gave to them uh, just in the matter of movies. You know, there is the challenge. The true test for obedience is when there is no one watching. But when we think about the Lord... How can we ever say no one is watching for God sees all things, he knows all things? And our mentality is if we're disconnected from the church community, then no one is watching. And we almost forget or try to forget that God sees all and that it is healthy to walk in obedience in the presence of believers. It's helpful for me to have Christian friends, to have brothers and sisters in Christ that I can serve alongside with. It encourages me, and I think the same is true. You could say that it encourages you. But the true test comes when we're apart from our brothers and sisters in Christ, when we're in a different situation. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's at school or at college. Uh, maybe it's at play. Maybe when we're on vacation. How are we going to live? We're going to live lives of obedience to the Lord or not. And then he goes on to say, work out your own salvation. And so, first of all, we're to obey. Secondly, we're to work out. We're to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. 
Now, we have many in the church that has this mentality, and often we fall victim of it, of working for our salvation. But we know that the Bible doesn't teach works for salvation. Salvation comes through faith in Christ Jesus alone. And so we can never work for our salvation. But I believe that what Paul is referring to, this working out our salvation with fear and trembling, refers to our actions and our attitudes now as believers in Jesus Christ. And that we live with a desire to live lives of obedience to God as a reflection of God's work in our lives. In Philippians 1.27, he had this similar theme saying, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, that our conduct would be found worthy of the gospel of Christ. We are to work out with fear and trembling. Um, Matthew Henry wrote this way concerning this verse. It is our own salvation. It is not for us to judge other people. We have enough to do to look to ourselves. We are required to work out our salvation. The word signifies working thoroughly and taking true pains. And quite often we can tend to be more worried about other people's salvation. And, and it, it's not wrong when you're concerned about their faith, whether they believe or not. If you're concerned whether they're going to go to heaven or not, our problem as believers quite often is that the other people that we're worried about are already Christians, and we tend to uh, judge their works while we're not looking at our own self. My dad used to talk about pointing a finger and he would point and say that he'd had four, he'd always say four, I only have three, pointing back at me. But he says, if I point, I always have four pointing back at me. I can only make three, and his thumb wasn't any different than mine. But we have to be careful when we're pointing at others, because we realize that the work of God in our lives isn't an individual thing. When the Bible refers to fear and trembling, it's not referring to a dread fear but a reverential fear that we have in God. But by combining this word with trembling, Paul reminds us that our reverential fear should not be taken lightly, that we should do all that's within our power to work out or live out our salvation before others, knowing that we will be held accountable before God. The writer of Hebrews wrote it this way in twelve twenty-eight and 29. He said, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have Grace by which we serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for God is a consuming fire. We're to work out our own salvation, but we also discover that as we're working out our own salvation, as we're living out the salvation that the Lord has afforded to us by living according to God's word, by being obedient to the word of God, we discover in verse 13 that it is God who works in us, as it says. It is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And so the working out is for the pleasure of God. We desire to live a life that, a life of faith, a life that reflects our faith in Jesus Christ, 
because we realize that it pleases God and that it is God's will that we would live this type of life. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. And in our memory verse that, and I always twist the last, I like to say Christ Jesus, but it says Jesus Christ. Philippians 1.6, that being confident of this very thing, that he who's begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, that God has begun this work in us, that he is working in us, helping us, coming alongside us through the power of his Holy Spirit, through the word of God itself, that he enables us with the ability that we can work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. We're also to shine. Verses 14 and 15, it says, Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God, without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Paul says, you guys, he's saying that they were shining as lights in the world. But I wonder how well we shine when we complain. How well do we shine when we dispute with one another? We are to do all things without complaining and disputing. We are to uh, become blameless and harmless children of God. And I've been raised in church my whole life, and I've seen a lot of complaining, a lot of disputing in church life that it doesn't bode well for the work or the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we say that God loves you, but we can't stand one another, that's a horrible testimony. As you guys know, I played in a Christian band for 10 years. And toward the end of those 10 years, it got to where some of the band members couldn't even ride to a concert together because there was so much disputing within the band. But then we'd get up on stage and play music for Jesus Christ. There was something wrong with that. It was one of the reasons I left the band, because we were no longer united as one. We were no longer in unity in the mission and the work that God had called us to. And we're not to be like that. The rest of the world, they're that way. They often complain. They often dispute. And I read verse 14, and I can't help but think about the last couple of presidential elections They've been running these ads for almost two years prior to the election date. Commercials via radio or computer or television about the elections. And they are so twisted and they're spinning their views in such a negative way that I get tired and it happens every political election campaign as it comes through. Eventually you just get wore out. It's kind of like, you know, the... Christmas, it seems like the season, it gets longer and longer, I think with Halloween almost over now, the retailers probably skip Thanksgiving and and get right into Christmas of that season. Not that I get burned out on celebrating Christ, but we get burned out so often on complaining and disputing. There was a guy at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa that worked the grounds. I won't say his name, but I used to When I would see him, I would always say, hi, how are you doing? Then I learned that when I would ask that question, he would tell me. And he would tell me always with griping and complaining a lot of times about Pastor Chuck and 
And, you know, I've been here for so many years, and, and there was a lot of griping and complaining, so much so that when I would see this guy on the grounds, it got to where I would just say, hi. I wouldn't ask. I didn't want to know how he was doing because he would wear me out with his griping and complaining. Perhaps you know some folks like that. It wears you out. We're not to be that way as believers in Jesus Christ. We're to become blameless and harmless children of God. We're to be without fault because the world that we live in is crooked and perverse. In the Song of Moses in Deuteronomy 32, 3 through 5, Moses said it this way. He said, For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. A God of truth and without injustice, righteousness and upright is he. They have corrupted themselves. They are not his children because of their blemish of perverse and crooked generation. The world, they're perverse and crooked because they have corrupted their ways because of their blemish, because of sin. But we have been forgiven of our sins through Jesus Christ. So therefore, we're not to be like the world. We're not to be perverse and crooked. If that was our way at one time, it's to not be our way any longer. We're to speak truth. We're to do all things without complaining and disputing. You know, when Paul wrote the epistle to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, he was dealing with several issues in the church. And by that epistle, it appears that someone had gotten word to him personally or sent a letter to him, and he was dealing with some issues that weighed on Paul's heart. And there were some things. It was a letter of discipline to the church of Corinth. And how healthy it is when the church comes together in love to hold up one another in obedience to the word of God, when each one, as we are personally working out our own salvation, knowing that God is working in each of us for his will and for his good pleasure, that we can easily then, without murmuring, without disputing, that we can become blameless and harmless children of God, that we would shine as lights. We're to be lights in this world. We're to be different. And Jesus you remember in Matthew 5:14 he says you are the light of the world and in verse 16 let the light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven people are supposed to look at our lives and see that Jesus has made a difference and they will bring glory to God as a result of it maybe they will not like you initially maybe you will be hated because your faith in Jesus Christ. But still, we're to be that light. And we hold true to the light of Jesus Christ, that God works in us, knowing that he can work through us. Uh, as a light, I've always seen myself. He says, you are the light of the world, but I see this as a mere reflection of his light in my life. That if we are walking in faith as believers in Jesus Christ, then we should rightly be reflecting Christ in our lives. And, and I believe this is necessary so often because what do you hear from people a lot of times? Oh, I don't like to go to church. You know, they, it's all about Jesus and stuff. And so why don't we bring the church to them? Of course, church is about Jesus. And it'll always be that here at Calvary Chapel. We're going to make sure that it's about that. But perhaps there are people who are afraid to come into a church. Maybe they have some bad memories from the past. 
maybe they've had some bad examples, but we're to be a light and we can take Jesus Christ to them. We can live Christ before them and we become that, I believe, a dim reflection of the glory of Christ until they come to know Christ, until they accept Christ in their own lives. And so we are to to walk in obedience, to work out our own salvation as God is working in. We're to do all things without murmuring or disputing, and we're to shine as lights in this world while we hold fast, verse 16, while we hold fast to the word of life so that, Paul says, I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, if I am being poured out as a drink offering, on the sacrifice and service of your faith, then I'm glad and rejoice with you all. And for the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. Father, I thank you so much for your word and pray that you would help us to learn the obedience. Lord, that we would be faithful to work out, not working for salvation, but working out as a result of the salvation that you have already uh, given to us. That we would shine as lights in this world, that we would hold fast to the word of life, and that we would be willing to pour ourselves out. May we do so with gladness and rejoicing. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.